Thank you for tuning into the International Family Church Podcast. Our ministry philosophy can be summed up in one statement. It's not about building a great church. It's about building a great people. If you're in the greater Boston area and are wanting to grow in your walk with God, please visit intlfamilychurch.com for more information about our service times. This Wednesday on August 15th, we're holding a life group orientation for the fall season. If you desire to lead a life group or would like more information, join us Wednesday, August 15th at 7 p.m. in the cafe. Next week on Friday, August 24th at 7 p.m. is Parent Night. If you have a student in grades 6th through 12th grade, we want to welcome you and your teen to join us for an evening with the IFC youth team. Our leaders will be hosting Parent Night to provide you with some back-to-school resources, answer any questions you may have, and give you the opportunity to meet parents at the same stage of life as you. Follow IFC Youth on social media to stay up to date with what's happening. This past week, we partnered with the organization Olive in July. We exceeded our goal of putting together 200 backpacks and filled an additional 200 with your help. Thank you for your generous hearts and showing God's love to these children in need. Thank you for joining us. Now here's part two of our current series, What to Do When You Don't Know What to Do. Are you ready for God's word today? Come on, let's pray. Let's get started. Father, thank you for this wonderful opportunity we have to study your word today. Thank you that you love us so much that you accept us the way we are. Yes, you love us unconditionally, but you refuse to leave us the way we are because you always want us to grow. You're always wanting to challenge us. You're always wanting to stretch ourselves, stretch our faith and continue to grow and improve. So thank you for doing that today through your word. I pray your word comes across with clarity, with accuracy and simplicity so we can apply this word to our lives. And as we go out those double doors, we immediately have, have strategy and insight on how to live our lives at a high level of success. We bless you for it today. We'll be careful to give you all the honor, all the glory and praise for you're the only one that's worthy of it all. And all of God's people said... Amen. Amen. God bless you. Today is part two in our series, What to Do When You Don't Know What to Do. Ever been there? Yeah, I think we all have, no matter what season in life that you find yourself in. We're actually doing a study on the book of Proverbs, and we're talking about wisdom, and wisdom specifically from the book of Proverbs. And we're realizing that this book of wisdom, though thousands of years old, has insight for us in the 21st century on how we can live our lives um, at a high level. And we're very grateful today. We're very grateful. As you know, I love the book of Proverbs. I, I read a chapter a day, and I challenge you to do the same. I read a chapter a day. There's 31 chapters. I get to read the book of Proverbs uh, completely in one month. And again, my goal, along with other um, disciplines that I have, that I will read the book of Proverbs 12 times this year. And I would encourage you to take a chapter a day. It just takes minutes. But the wisdom that you have is pretty impressive. And so we've been talking about the book of wisdom. And here has been our key verse that we started off with in Proverbs 4.7. Proverbs 4.7 says, wisdom is the most important thing, so get wisdom. If it costs everything you have, get understanding. And so we knew that in other translations says wisdom is the supreme thing. It's the principal thing. Well, if it's top on God's list, priority list, it should be top on our priority list. How many would agree with that? But oftentimes wisdom is not on our top priority. 
We're dealing with all kinds of issues in our lives. And if we just walked in a little bit of God's wisdom, it'd be amazing how much easier life would be. Oh, life is not easy, but I recognize that we don't have to make some of the continual mistakes that we make if we would just walk in the wisdom of God. And so we talked about four people that the book of wisdom, the book of Proverbs is written to last week. And we talked about them. And we talked about the simple who doesn't know, the fool who doesn't care, the mocker who's the hater, and the wise, which all of us want to be. Yeah. Right? The wise. Each one of us want to be the wise. And then we talked about um, that the importance of knowing the difference between knowledge and wisdom. Please don't get the two mixed up, right? Knowledge is when we fill our brain. Wisdom is when we take that knowledge and know how to practically, amen, apply it to our everyday lives. Isn't it true? Big difference between knowledge and wisdom. In fact, I was just this past week um, at Whole Foods, and I saw a woman with an amazing T-shirt on it. I thought, how perfect for this teaching today. And the T-shirt said, knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit, and wisdom is knowing not to put it in a fruit salad. <laughs> the wisdom of Whole Foods, right? We told you last week that knowledge builds the Titanic, but wisdom avoids the iceberg. And so we can learn, we can build our lives, we can do a lot of things with knowledge. We can be on the internet a very long time, right, and gain a lot of knowledge through our books and through all that, and thank God for all the knowledge, but just because you have knowledge doesn't mean you're wise. Because you have knowledge doesn't mean you have wisdom. In fact, you can have a lot of knowledge and no wisdom, but you can't have a lot of wisdom without knowledge. Because the two go hand in hand. We don't want just wisdom. I don't want you to come to church here at IFC and just get your brains fuller of, of information and knowledge about God. I want you to come to International Family Church and walk with God. Have a relationship with God. Know about this God that loves you. Walk in his promises. Walk in his ways, right? And, and, and walk in a way that, that your life is full and your life has answers and your life makes sense and you're able to navigate around the icebergs of life and recognize that wisdom belongs to you. I love that. Amen. So to all of you wisdom seekers out there, and I believe all of you are and should be, uh, to all of you wisdom seekers out there, we told you what is the door that opens up to you so you can walk in wisdom. In Proverbs 9.10, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Amen. So if you want to begin to open this door up to wisdom, you need to reverence God. You need to be in awe of him, right? He's a holy God. We sang about it today. And I pray that the eyes of, of who he is, his wonder is open to you. And we told you three declarations that will help you understand to walk in the fear of the Lord, not afraid of him. The awesome wonder of who he is is when you realize, God, you are awesome. God, you are holy. And God, you are always right. 
That's something I declare on a regular basis for me to recognize that I want that door to remain open. I don't want to have the wrong attitude about God. I want to make sure that I put him in his rightful place of honor, his rightful place of being in awe of him. I'm not so familiar with God. You know, when you have a casual attitude about God and his word, you end up being a casualty. Casual attitude about God, you become a casualty. It's all part of what works together. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So part one is the perfect introduction to our second principle of wisdom that I believe will help you to know what to do when you don't know what to do. What I love about God's word and what I love about the challenge of God's word as a communicator is to make sure I take wisdom that's thousands of years old and apply it to the 21st century. That's what we love doing here at IFC, is to make sure that God's word becomes usable to you. God's word is something you can take now, walk out those double doors, dodge the raindrops if you can, amen, and walk in the wisdom of God, walk in truth that'll change your life and make you better because of it. So uh, Proverbs 1923 is where we'll springboard this truth today. And it says this in Proverbs 19:23: the fear of the Lord leads to life. Then one rests content, untouched by trouble. I've always enjoyed this verse. I've always wanted to draw from the, the depth of what this verse has to tell us. And so I believe it's going to be a great blessing for you. The fear of the Lord leads to life. Now that life is not the fact that you, your, your heart is beating or you're breathing air today. That's not the life it's talking about. This life that it's talking about is the life that Jesus came to give us. It's Zoe life. It's the life that Jesus talks about in John 10, 10, when he says the thief comes only for one reason and for... 24 hours a day, seven days a week, all he wants to do is what? Steal and kill and destroy. Jesus said, though, I came that they or you may have and enjoy. No, it's one thing to have it. If you're a child of God, you have it. But the real question is, are you enjoying it? Jesus came for you to have that life. When Jesus comes into your heart, you accept him as Lord and Savior. That Zoe life comes inside of you. Amen. It, it transforms your life, but it's also meant to be enjoyed. I came that they may have and enjoy life, have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Amen. Today, I want to talk to you about this part of the verse. Go back to uh, Proverbs 19.23, the previous verse. It says, the fear of the Lord leads to life. Look at this next phrase. Then one rests content. Then one rests content. I'm going to tell you something that I work very hard to walk in. This is not something I've read out of a book. This is something that I've practiced for a lot of years. I want to talk to you about the secret of contentment. The secret of contentment. Most people that I come in contact with are not content. In fact, they're very discontent. They really do. They deal with a lot of discontentment, which leads to a lot of self-doubt, depression, anxiety, discouragement in their lives. And, and, and if you've ever been around someone who's been content, there's something about them that immediately impacts your life. Why? Because they can be a rare breed. 
They really can. They can be a rare breed because you're walking around with people that are at work are just complaining. They're upset. They're mad. They, you know, they got a stinking attitude and, and, and hardening of the attitudes. And they're just in that place where they're, they're not living their lives in a very great place of example for you as a child of God. And contentment is not something that's found, purchased, accumulated. It's an attitude of the heart. It's an attitude of the heart. Now, here's our big takeaway. Here's the one main point I want you to go home with today. Listen very carefully. You will always battle with discontentment until you let Christ be all you need. We're going to unpack that today because I want you to go home understanding that powerful statement today. You will always battle discontentment until you let Christ be all you need. Here's our verse of scripture that backs that up today. Proverbs 14.30 says this, says, A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Envy rots the bones. I believe that discontent has never been a bigger problem in our society and in the history of our world than it is today. Think about this with me. Never before, never before have so many people had so much and yet, enjoy it less. We've never had more. We've never had more at our fingertips. More at, at going to Google. More at just, you know, two days. And, and Amazon Prime, man, it's there. Pretty soon the drone will come and drop it off at your front door. Scary business, right? But, but you can have anything you want. It's just that a little bit of... of uh, seconds and minutes, and, and, and there it is. Sociologists actually tell us that social media is one of the biggest culprits of people living in discontent. Why? Because social media, we see people's, people at their best, right? You don't put a picture on Instagram unless you've taken it 10 times and make sure everything, even the background, looks good, right? You, it's, it's filtered. It's a filtered image passed forward to us so we see your, at you at your best, right? Absolutely. You at your best. And here's what Stephen Furtick said about this. He says, we compare, we're comparing our behind the scenes with other people's highlight reels. We feel like losers because we see the best of their best and we know the worst of our worst. Wow. Isn't that the truth? You know how it's like. Maybe you, you're online, you're all by yourself, and you see your girlfriend's out on the date eating lobster, right, at a fancy place, and, and you're eating leftover lean cuisine. <laughs> Not even lean cuisine, it's leftover lean cuisine. And you think, oh, man, I'm such a loser. And you see your buddy, he's online doing these muscle selfies, right? These muscle pictures at the, at, the, at the gym, and he's doing his little pose, and you're home trying to eat as many Hostess Twinkies as you can. And you think, I'm such a loser. I, I'm, my life is sad. I mean, and we're comparing ourselves with other people's best, and, and we find ourselves in a very difficult place. And so we compare, we summarize Everybody else's life is so much better, and my life is absolutely the worst. And the more we compare with others, the less satisfied we are. In fact, researchers went to two different college campuses and, and got many students and did a survey and exposed these students for just 30 minutes of Facebook 
after 30 minutes of Facebook, they asked how they felt. You know what? Well, the number one feelings that they described was envy. Envy. 30 minutes on Facebook. Wow. The Apostle Paul was the master at responding with a Christ-like perspective. I'm telling you, a perspective that so nails the 21st century, a perspective that so we can apply to our everyday life where we are today. Amen. And thank God for the timelessness of God's Word today. In fact, we're going to look at what I believe is the best verse in all of Scripture on contentment. A little bit of text, a little bit of context. Please understand that the Apostle Paul is writing this while he's in prison, under house arrest, chained to a Roman guard 24 hours a day. He's not on the beach drinking virgin pina coladas, <laughs> right? Putting on another layer of suntan lotion. No, it's not going real good right now. It's not the best environment that he finds himself in. But yet in that environment, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he writes these words. Proverbs, excuse me, Philippians 4.12. He says this, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any way and in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. He's saying, I get it. I know what it's like to be in a great season. I know what it's like to be in a terrible season. I know what it's like to have all the money I need to pay all the bills at the end of the month. And I know what it's like to not sure where the money's going to come from to pay all these bills. I know when you're madly in love and you have all those feelings and it's going so good for you right now. And man, the, the stars are shining, the birds are singing, and man, love abounds. And I know what it's like to wonder, who am I sleeping next to? And why is she so moody? And why is he such a loser? I know what it's like when it's going great. I know what it's like when it's going bad. And he says, I've learned the, what's that word? Secret. secret. Oh, there's a secret? I've learned a secret of what? Being content in any and every situation. You know what most of our problem is? We don't know how to be content in every, in, in, in any and every situation. We're such drama queens. We're such drama kings, right? We're addicted to drama. We really are. Drama, drama, drama. And if it's not drama, we're thinking, man, my life is boring. A little bit of stability or stay the course or a little bit of some, something that says, you know, it's not so crazy would be unusual for many of our families. Generations of drama, generations of always being moved by how you feel, by your circumstances. Wouldn't it be wonderful to be able to live your life independent of the storms instead of living from storm to storm, circumstance to circumstance, bad feeling to good feeling, wouldn't it be wonderful to somehow live independent of your circumstances? The answer is yes. The answer is what you need. The answer, yeah, there would be. What's the secret? Well, then we need to know the secret, right? We need to understand what is that secret. Well, the secret is that next verse in, in, in Proverbs. We'll get to that in a minute. Proverbs 4.13 says, I can do, I can do all this. What's all this? The previous verse, right? All this. All this. 
I, in whatever state I find myself, lots of things, lack of things. Doesn't matter. I can do all this through who? Through Christ, who gives me strength. Wow, I can do this through, all, through him that gives me the strength. Listen very carefully. The secret is about to no longer be a secret. The secret of contentment is not found in what I have or do not have. The secret of contentment is found in Christ and Christ alone. Christ alone. Come on, stretch yourself today. Get out of your natural self, and let's recognize who we are today in Christ, what Jesus has done for us, and pay some attention to who we are in Christ and what we have in Christ alone. Jesus is the only one who offers us peace that goes beyond our human understanding to comprehend. He's our rock, our sustainer, our redeemer, our peace, our assurance. He's everything we need today. Oh, he is. He's everything you need today. Say it with me. He's everything I need. Say it again, even if it's by faith. Come on. He's everything I need. Man, when you start believing that, man, your life is about to change. When you start believing, he's everything I need. There's nothing that has not been accomplished that, that, that needs to be that Christ has not already fulfilled for me as I live out my salvation and work out my salvation and live my life for Jesus. You can search and search and search and get all the likes you want and have all the friends um, uh, on, on Facebook and, and Instagram and Twitter that you want and so on and so forth. Get all the approval of all the people that you want, but until you feel this Christ-shaped void in your heart, amen, it will never make sense. It won't. It'll never make sense. It will never make sense. Until you have experienced the goodness of Christ, you'll always be dissatisfied. Amen. Always be dissatisfied. There are two things. Let me get to this. Two things that we absolutely and completely need. The strength of Jesus, the strength of Christ to be able to fulfill. These two things will help keep discontent at bay and walk in a satisfaction and walk in the wisdom of God to know what to do when you do not know what to do. Are you ready for this? Number one, through Christ's strength, we must kill comparisons. Kill it. We must kill comparisons. Through the strength of Christ, we must stop comparing. Amen. The enemy of contentment is comparison. That's the number one enemy of, of contentment. It's comparison. 2 Corinthians 10.12 says, we do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. So very carefully, no one wins in comparison. No one wins. Someone comes out the loser. Someone comes out feeling bad. There's always someone who feels less than. There's always someone who is not where they need to be. We must kill comparisons. It is not wise. You're going to be tempted to compare. You're going to want to compare. You're going to be put in that pressure in our culture that you still need this and you got to buy this and you got to be this size and you have this much this and this much of that. You're going to be tempted all the time to compare. 
families comparing themselves to each other, siblings, and, and, and on and on it goes, and we have to resist that temptation. Why do we kill it? Why do I use that language? Because James 3 tells us how dangerous it is. Listen very carefully. James 3.14 says, But if you harbor bitter envy, selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such, wow, what's the quotes for? Such wisdom. You know what's happening? James is being sarcastic here. That's what he's doing. He's being in a place where he really wants you to pay attention. Such wisdom, hink, wink, wink, such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is, read these words, what? Demonic. Now you've taken this to a whole other level. Wow, now I got my, you got my attention, Pastor. You mean comparison? Envy is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic? Whoa. That's pretty serious. Yes. Absolutely is. And how many of us have bitter envy, selfish ambition? How many of us have a heart that's not right? Let me tell you something. One of the things I work the hardest at, amen, pastoring this church for 37 years, being in ministry 42 years, married 42 years, if there's anything that we all have to work at, especially those of us that are ministering God's word, those of us that are up here and put ourselves under this kind of spotlight and microscope is what? Pure hearts. Anything you know about the Del Turcos, we work hard on a pure heart. We work hard on our motives. We on staff work hard at why we do what we do. And what's the motive for why we are believing God for what we want God to do in our lives? Wow. It's earthly, unspiritual. It's demonic. Oh, my goodness. Verse 16 says, For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find what? Disorder. Disorder. And every evil practice. Man, I don't want disorder in my life. Do you? I don't want every, the open door to other evil comes through the door of envy and discontentment and comparison. Wow, that's heavy. That's heavy-duty stuff, and I'm not expecting a big a lot of amens today. But hang in there. It's going to get better. Because I'm going to give you wisdom on what to do when you don't know what to do. But first of all, we have to do what? We have to kill comparison. This is the top, one of the top 10 commandments, thou shalt not covet. It's just unhealthy. It's sinful in the eyes of God. Therefore, we must kill it with every chance we get. Now, here, here's some answer to that. Not only do we have to kill comparison, but I believe one of the ways to do it is I have to find a way to celebrate the successes of others. When I celebrate the success of others, it purifies my heart. The more you suffer from envy, the more you suffer from comparison, should be the level to which you rejoice when others succeed. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Purifying your heart. See, we have to have things in our lives that do what? That do what? That 
tenderize the heart, that keep the heart tender. Too much in our culture, too much in our society, make a heart heavy, make a hard heart, make us complacent and apathetic. We've got to be sure that we're taking inventory to make sure this heart of ours stays subtle, supple, stays uh, open, stays uh, in a right place of motivation of why we do what we do. Listen very carefully. When someone else is blessed in the way you want to be blessed. Listen, whenever I learn to celebrate with them, it purifies the intentions of my heart. See, when somebody gets blessed and it was no big deal to you because you didn't, you're not believing for that, it's no big deal to you. But when somebody gets blessed with what you wanted to be blessed with, and then you can rejoice, that's another story. Right? You get blessed with a certain this or that, and it's not my taste, not my color. Great. Good for you. But you get blessed with the exact same job, the exact same house, the exact same kind of children or marriage or whatever it might be, and that's what you wanted. That's what you're standing for, and you can rejoice when that happens. Oh, my, 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 now. Now we're talking about getting the heart right. Remember I told you one of the things I do on a regular basis is I give money to people that are on the side of the road with their little sign. Why do I do that? I do it not for them. I do it for me because I've been, a ju- I've been the biggest judge of those folks. I'm thinking they're probably got a Lexus right around the corner. Don't tell me you've never thought that. Right? We're in church. You can't lie. Right? The reason why I do it is my heart needs it. I don't know what they're going to do with that money. At that point, I don't care. Because that $5, amen, that couple bucks does what? Purifies my heart. It keeps me from thinking I'm so much better than they are as I drive around in my BMW. Come on, somebody. Keeping it real. If you don't learn to bless somebody else, you know what that's like when somebody else got the very job you wanted and you're thinking, I'm so much better than they are. I had so much more schooling than they did and they got the job I wanted. That's the perfect time to rejoice. God, obviously your timing, obviously they've been believing. And Lord, I rejoice with them. I thank you, Father God, that you bless them with that job because if you're the God that can bless them, you're the God that can bless me. And you're one of those young ladies, you've been the bridesmaid and never the bride. We're getting home now, aren't we? And you're thinking, man, I'm a bridesmaid again? Man, when's it going to be my turn? Some girlfriend of yours got this hot-looking guy and thought, oh, my goodness, yes, that's exactly what I'm believing you for. You can complain and whine and eat a you know, gallon of ice cream if you want. Or you can say, Father, thank you. I rejoice with my girlfriend. I'm going to be the best bridesmaid. I'm going to go down that aisle with a big smile on my face. Even though I can't stand her, I'm going to stand my ground. I'm going to believe God with her. And I thank you, Father God, that you gave her the desires of of her heart. Let me tell her myself. I used to have building envy. Oh, I didn't know that wasn't envy. Well, you're not a pastor. Building envy. What do you mean building envy? For 13 years, we rented somebody else's building. While other pastors were getting their buildings. I'm thinking, man, I can preach better than him. I'm better looking than he is. I've got a better team than they do. And 
and they're getting their building, and they've, they haven't, they've, they've, been, they've been at church for a few years, and 13 years and moving, and still no building. And I thought, oh, man. And then then I, Lord started dealing with my heart, my envy. And, man, I changed my attitude really quick. And you know what I started doing? When I got that invitation in the mail for this certain church dedication, I would rejoice and thank God, you're so faithful. God, you're so good. I took it to another level. When I went to that service, I went with a check in hand. And I sowed that check. I said, Father, I bless them sowing into my future. And here's what the Lord taught me. He taught me that if you'll just rejoice with somebody else and not get out of line, when they get blessed... You say, you go for it. Good for you for getting blessed. And what do I do? Step up in line. Which makes me say, bless them all that are in front of me. I don't care how many are in front of me. Come on, Lord, bless them. I'm praying for other people's buildings now. Bless them because when I bless them and I put money in the plate, guess what happens? And every time I envied, you know what happened to me? I had to go to the back of the line. It wasn't a lot of fun. And then 1994, what happened? We bought that building in Winchester, right? Bought that building for a million nine. Ten years later, we sold it for 13 and bought this building cash. You know what that was? I'm not smart enough for that, so I am hope you're clapping because of the Lord because I'm not smart enough about that. I got rid of building envy, and look what the Lord has done. My goodness. Amen. What would happen if you got rid of your envy? I'm preaching real good this morning. What would happen if you got rid of your envy? And you rejoice with that woman. You rejoice with that job. You rejoice with that new house. You rejoice because of that new car. You rejoice because that, that son or that daughter came back to the Lord. You rejoice because that marriage got restored. You rejoice, right? What would happen if you did that and you were a blessing to other people? Praise God. You watch and see what God would do for you. I'm having way too much fun. i got to move on here. Amen. Number one, we must kill comparison. Number two, here's where we close. And here's what I've been talking about. Number two, we must cultivate Gratitude. Cultivate gratitude. In fact, someone defined envy this way. Boy, this is so good. Listen, envy is resenting God's goodness in other people's lives and ignoring God's goodness in your own life. You can chew on that for a while. Envy is resenting God's goodness in other people's lives. I did it. Been there, done that. And ignoring the goodness of God in your own life. You're wanting something else and you're not realizing how blessed you are. You're ignoring the blessings you have. You're ignoring what God has done for you. You're not recognizing all the wonderful things that God's given you. Yeah, your life's not perfect. Yeah, you're still believing God. Yeah, that apartment's too small. Yeah, that car's about to fall apart. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not what you want it to be, but, but you got to recognize and understand that, that you cannot ignore what you have in your own life. Pretty powerful. Proverbs 15, 15 says, For the despondent, every day brings trouble. For the despondent, every day brings trouble. Some of you, you know people like this, and maybe some of you are people like this. It's going to be a horrible day. You saw the rain. That's why you're watching online. Love you. <laughs> right? Love you. Nothing personal. Glad you're watching. 
right? But sometimes that's what we do. We got, it's a horrible day. My kids are such brats. My marriage, my this, my money, my job. And we're down on everything. And what's it say? For the despondent every day brings trouble. It goes on to say, verse 15, for the despondent every day brings trouble, but. That word but is amazing. Let me say it this way. What side of the but are you living on? The despondent side that brings trouble or the happy heart. Amen. Life is a continual feast. Doesn't mean everything's perfect. Doesn't mean you're doing everything like you needed to do it or everything you're believing God for has come to pass, but it's the attitude, the happy heart. Life is a continual feast. Amen. For the happy heart, you might have the same day the despondent person has, the same issues, same things you're believing God for, but a happy heart is already always ready to thank God for his goodness. Keep it in perspective. Count right. You see, if you want to look for the bad in the world, you'll find it. You want to look for the good in the world, you'll find it. Lord told me years ago, it's the same coin. What side are you going to look at? It's the same coin, the dark side or the light side, the, the bright side or the dark side. It's the same coin, and it's up to you which side you want to focus on. For the happy heart is a continual feast. You must intentionally cultivate gratitude. Why? Because a heart of gratitude is a magnet for miracles. It's a magnet for miracles. Man, if you can learn to be grateful in no matter what season you find yourself in, Ecclesiastes 6.9 says, enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. So many of us are not enjoying what we have. Enjoy what you have. Oh, it not, might not be the best, but enjoy it. Clean it up. Take it to the cleaners. Put it in the car wash. Put some wax on it. Polish your shoes, right? It might not be what you want. Make your bed every morning. Clean it. Just such a small place. Well, make it the best small place you have. My car's a piece of junk. Make it the best looking piece of junk you have. It's not what I want. Make it the best that you have. Clean up those five-year-old french fries in the back seat. Right? Be a better steward of what you already have. Right? Vacuum that thing and clean it up. People complain about their car. Do you realize that you're, when you own your own car, you are in the top 5% of the most wealthiest people in the world? Take care of that piece of junk. You own your own home and you have indoor plumbing? You are in a place where three-quarters of the world do not live in. Indoor plumbing. What? I'm so busy, my life is so crazy. You should be glad you have healthy kids who want to go to karate and soccer. And I know it's tough. And my, my five grandkids, I see what those my, my kids go through to get them here to this practice and there to this and to dance. And their dance moms and dads and karate and, and everything else and drum lessons and all the various things. I'm grateful they have healthy kids who are growing. I'm grateful that we have healthy marriages. I'm grateful that we have places to go and things to do. I don't complain about how busy I am. I'm grateful that I'm here on a Sunday morning doing three services. Are you kidding me? Am I going to be exhausted after the third service? Yes. But I'm going to feel so good when I sit down in that comfy chair and fall asleep. 
Absolutely. I'm not complaining about three services. I'll do four if we need to. Amen. Why? Because I'm counting right. Amen. I'm blessed. I'm in a place where I enjoy what I have. Hallelujah. When you live your life blessing others, I'm closing. When you live your life blessing others, let me tell you something. You don't have time for comparison and discontentment. You don't have time for it. Here, listen. Here it is. Contentment is knowing God's plan for your life and having the conviction to pursue it every day. I know what I'm called to do. And I pursue it with great conviction every day. Every day. I wake up in the morning. I wake up in the middle of the night. I'm thinking about how can we do a better job here? How can we bless you more? How can we serve you more? Right? Amen. Uh, our family's about to go on vacation together, all, all 12 of us, 13 of us, whatever it is. And, and I'm going to do my best to be on vacation. But the subject's going to, you're going to come up on the subject. I wish sometimes you didn't. Right? I wish sometimes you didn't. I need to separate. I need to, I need to, I need to do something different. Amen. But it never fails. Not because we hate it. Not because we're obsessed by it. Not because we have a Messiah complex. Because we are, we know what we're called to do. And we pursue it with great conviction. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. So as we close, how can you apply this to your life? Are you on social media way too much? Are you opening door to envy every time you open that up or respond to a ding or, or, or look and see how many likes or see how many, how many you know, uh, people that are following that or like your picture or whatever case may be? Do you need to unhook for a little while? Do you need to say, God, I got to put this in perspective. I, I got to bring this in. Maybe you're not even on social media a lot, but you know, man, this, this helped me today. I got to stop it. I got to quit living my life through everybody else's. Everybody else's life. Thinking that the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. Thinking about all these things. God, we acknowledge the sin of envy in our lives. And help us to be content in your son, Jesus. Help us to make the adjustments that we need in this 21st century and the temptations that we're going to have on a regular basis. Remember our big takeaway. Here's where we started. You'll always battle with contentment until you let Christ be all you need. Let Christ be all you need today. Make adjustment in your heart as a husband, as a father, as a man, as a woman, as a young adult, as a married couple, someone believing God. What do you do when you don't know what to do? You go to the book of Proverbs. Go to the book of wisdom. Go to God's word. There you'll find your answers. There you'll find your answers as fresh as if they were written yesterday. Just for you. Because that's the kind of God you serve. Let's build on a firm foundation. Let's build our lives and make it count for the honor and glory of God. Did you learn something today? Come on, stand to your feet with me today. Come on, give God praise today. Lift up those hands and worship the Lord and thank Him today. Come on, lift up those hands towards heaven today. Oh God, you're so good. In these few minutes that's left of this service today, let's just press in for a moment. Give God an opportunity to let His Word sink in your heart today. Receive it by faith today.
you'll go and you'll eat lunch and do whatever you're going to do this afternoon, but let's take a minute and say, oh God, thank you for being so good. Help me to count right. Help me to count my blessings and name them one by one. Help me, Father God, to fight, fight this comparison battle. Recognize how holy and awesome and wonderful you are. Holy God. Mighty God. Oh, you're so faithful and you're so good. May we leave here with a fresh perspective. May we leave here with a joy in our heart and a spring in our step and a song in our heart. Oh, we bless you today. Forgive us for the sin of envy. Forgive us for comparing. Forgive us, Father God, for going down that road. Thank you for opening up our eyes to see that's where perhaps the disorder lies. That's where all the onslaught of foolishness has come into my life. Oh God, I want to build on a firm foundation today. With every head bowed, please. Pastor Tom's going to come in a moment and close the service today, but before he does, I want to make sure that Jesus lives in your heart today. I want to make sure that you understand that Jesus is that firm foundation. I want to make sure that you've opened up your heart today and said yes to Him and make Him Lord and Savior of your life. Heaven as your home, your sins forgiven. I want to make sure today that you don't leave here or those joining us online today that heaven is your home and new beginnings are yours. Say, Pastor, I have never I have never said yes to you. I have never opened up my heart to you, but today I can't do this by myself. I, I can't try to make this work because it's not working for me. I need you, Jesus. I'm not asking you to join this church. All I'm simply saying is, will you please take a next step? Start a relationship with Jesus. Let him into your life today and allow this relationship to grow and build and watch what Jesus can do for you today. Let him forgive you from your sin. Make you right with God. He'll be an ever-present time of help for you. You say, Pastor, I need Jesus today. Pray for me. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not going to embarrass you today, but I do want you to recognize your own need for Jesus today. How do I do that? Simply raise your hand and say, that's me, Pastor. I need Jesus today. Raise it up. Put it down. Let me see your hand today. Anybody? Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Who else? Raise it up. Thank you. Raise it up. Thank you, ma'am. I see it. Thank you, sir. I see it. Raise it up high today. Yes. Thank you, ma'am. Good for you. I love it. Who else? Yes, I see it all the way in the back. Bless you. Yes, sir. Thank you, ushers. Yeah, over here. Yeah, I see it, sir, by the pole. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you, ma'am. Good for you. Man, so many hands are up in the first service. Thank God for you today. Anybody else? We're going to pray. Open up your heart online today. Hundreds of you that are watching today, let Jesus be all you need today. Anybody else? Raise it up high before we pray. It's a very personal decision. No one can make your mind up for you. Anybody else before we pray? God bless you. Proud of each one of you who raised your hand today. Good for you. What an important next step for you. You'll not be disappointed. We want to help you in your spiritual journey. Pastor Tom will give you some instructions before you leave today. 
Let's all pray this prayer together. Join us online, please. Father, in Jesus' name, here's my heart. Oh, I need you. I can't do this by myself. I need you, Jesus. Come into my heart. Forgive me from my sin. I declare you as my Lord. I receive by faith forgiveness, salvation, eternal life. I need you. I'll never be the same. And I commit to serving you all the days of my life. I love you. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you today. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor, for ministering to us today. Thanks for listening. We all can grow deeper in our relationship with God. Our monthly growth track called Next Steps will help you grow and reach your full potential. Next Steps is held after each service. Come join us next Sunday to discover how to take the next step. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, subscribe, and share it with your friends and family. To stay connected, check out intlfamilychurch.com or follow us on Instagram. Thanks again for listening.